You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Hello, everyone, and welcome to what I'm sure is going to be an instant classic. Did you hear that, Doug? I didn't call it epic. I did. I didn't call it epic. An instant classic of Global Trade This Week brought to you by our friends at Cap Logistics. To learn more about Cap Logistics, visit them at their website at caplogistics.com. I am Pete Mento, uh, and as always, I am joined by my uh, super handsome, always dapper dressed, always, um, I'm going to go with more casual, business casual dressed, friend Doug Draper. Doug, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Pete. It's uh, blue shirt day, so I appreciate you getting the memo. How are we right? going to do this seriously, Doug? It's, I'm not wearing blue. Well, I can't tell. It's black, yeah. uh, Johnny Cash black. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, right. I, I am wearing Johnny Cash black. Uh, I've got my Columbia. Always support brands that have supported me. Uh, Columbia, uh, Jeff Tews, love you, buddy, out there in Portland, Oregon. Um, but you, is, And I would say you're wearing purple. So are, is this like a pixel thing or my old eyes getting worse? It. Uh, your eyes are getting worse. This is a nice blue right, right out of the... Uh, uh, the dry cleaners looking good on a Monday. You do look good. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, man, business casual, always looking good, Doug. Uh, but we yeah. are very happy to be with you again for what is, I'm sure, to be another great addition. Um, so Keenan is out skiing the back country, you know, living off of uh, bark, berries, some eggs that they found, and some stray errant mountain chickens, uh, and pushing buttons for us out there. Yeah. Um, but Doug, you've got, you, you have won the coin toss and you have elected to receive. So you're on offense first this week and you're going to have the first topic. So go ahead and hit me, buddy. What do you got? Awesome. So this topic actually comes from a good friend of ours, uh, Mr. Mark Conrad Saxelby. Mark Conrad. Was Mr. M. Conrad Saxelby. Hey, Doug, uh, I've got to say, I've got to say, last week, him sending us the video of him in the gym <laughs> while he's listening to the show. I don't know. I was just waiting for him to like tear his shirt off Hulk Hogan style. It was a little yeah. bit upsetting, but thank you, Mark, for um, supporting yeah. the show. Yeah, you can't unsee that, no. unfortunately. No, you can't. So, yeah. But we were chit chatting, and um, he came up with this topic. Right? It's a great topic, so I got to give uh, got to give Sachs the credit. And uh, the topic was the crystal ball stability, and uh, we were talking about that a little bit, and. Um, Here's the gist of it, right? So I think everybody is still trying to figure out post-COVID. Uh, we talk about logistics, purchasing, um, trying to figure out what the consumer is going to be doing in, in the future. And it's almost like people are wanting to have a crystal ball and wait. Like, what, what do we do now? Do we pivot left? Do we pivot right? And from some experiences that we both had, it, it seems like we're trying to trying to figure that out. So... Really, the gist of it, Pete, is that in, forget supply chain logistics. People in general, they want clarity and stability in their lives, um, and they want it in their relationships. Kids need it. Uh, as you know, with, uh, with kids, they need, they need the stability out there so they can be raised properly. And supply chain and logistics procurement professionals need it as well. And they're just... We're seeing that, like, what, what do you do? Do we go left or right? Meaning, I'm going to put this in two categories, Pete. It's the, it's the cold trickle approach from Days of Thunder. If you remember that movie from 20 years ago? Wow, I think longer than that, Oh, Yeah, yeah. 
the cold trickle. And that's whenever he was uh, racing and there was some uh, wreck on the, on the track. And um, I can't remember, gosh, who was the guy that was his, uh, uh, his head of his team? But anyway, he said, hey, there's a wreck. Go around the wreck. You can drive through it. I know it. I know it in my heart. Drive through it, which basically meant just put, put the uh, pedal down and drive through the chaos and see what comes on the other end. So that's one approach is to say, you know what, we're going to try and we're going to move forward and we're, we're going to do this thing. The other approach is, uh, the other bucket is, is, is a old adage that some of our older listeners will know it says nobody gets fired for buying ibm right so you got reliability reliability and innovation so i think the crystal ball um, may not uh, uh, give you one direction or another and uh that's okay right so you got the cold trickle effect with just like put the gas down we're going in this direction and we're going to do something and then the other take is you know what let's just nobody gets fired from buying IBM, nobody gets fired from taking a slower approach and, and analyzing it and going from there. So um, I think it's fine. Both of them are fine, but be deliberate about it, Pete. Don't just sit in, 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 uh, in the middle. So if you're the cold trickle effect and you just want to kind of say, I think we need to go here and you're going to put the gas down and you're just going to drive through it, or if you're going to be a little more passive and make sure nobody gets fired for buying IBM. I'm good with either one, Pete. I'm good with it, but make sure you're deliberate in your decision because the, um, uh, you, you know, having instability is what we don't want. So the question to you, Pete, um, are you a cold trickle or uh, uh, buying IBM type of guy? Well, any economist will tell you that markets desire and long for stability. And they, they hate, they hate a vacuum. They, they certainly hate um, lack of information. What they, what they all want is stability. They all desire stability. Well, I agree with you on that. Um, and the more, more to the point, what they really, really hate is lack, lack of information. And right now, that's what we're, we're all longing for. So prior to TPM, as an example, we were all running around trying to gather bits and pieces, nooks and crannies on what was going to happen next. Um, I know you were doing this. I was certainly doing this. I was calling everybody during TPM because I wasn't in Long Beach. I was in New Hampshire and I was calling everybody. What's going on? What are people saying? You know, um, and, I, and we were all getting information back and we were all trying to find out were these short sailings going to continue? Were we going to continue to see these canceled sailings? What was happening? And that lack of information causes people to bet it causes them to consternate, you know. It causes us all to to go out into the marketplace and do things based on bad information. Or sometimes good information, but one way or the other, we're speculating. And speculation is always done on good information and bad information, but it's speculation nonetheless, Doug. So, so many of us have been doing that lately, whereas before we all knew it was happening during COVID. No space no ships, crap rates, way too much stuff, right? We, we were all working on the same assumptions, but we're back to where we were before, which is really not knowing what's going on. And that's getting better. It's getting better because we're getting better information. So we're in that in-between space right now. And to me, plow ahead. To me, it's take the information that you've had in the past 
It's really depend on people that have been in this business before that have seen what's going on. You know, Armstrong and Associates, shout out to them. Um, I think it's every month, Doug. I think it's every month. They put out a, a very detailed, extremely researched document that goes into what they see that's happening out in the marketplace. And um, they also speculate based on what's happened before. Is it always right? No. But they're confident in making their speculations based on what they've seen before uh, and the information they have in front of them. And they also will tell you right right there in the very beginning, past performance you know, is not always an indication on, on future results, but I'm very much a go plowing forward based on my confidence on what I've seen in the past. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was trying to get cute with quotes here and I was like, okay, what are some quotes with stability and and there weren't a whole lot of them it was all about you know uh well-behaved women never make history type of thing right and yeah. um you gotta go for it and no regret so i you know calculated your key thing pete that that is spot on is information you need information to move forward and we're kind of in you know you could get information you could come in and get mckenzie or some consultant and they could tell you both sides of the story on what to do it's the information that's key so totally get it i appreciate that yeah, you know, my, my whole McKenzie, my feeling about McKenzie, man, I'm not a fan. So, uh, yeah, um, but it, it's, really, it's really what it comes down to is, is who do you get your information from? Are they a trusted source? But someone's got to make that decision. And I think Mark, Mark was really pushing towards that. Is this is not a time to sit there and overthink it. You're going to have to make a decision like that race car driver. You're either going to have to make that split decision to go around or to go through it, but you got to make a decision. You can't yeah. just sit here and, and overthink it. And this is a, a business where sitting on that critical information and not making a decision until it's too late will wreck a business. you got to yeah. got to make a move. You know, there's an excellent book. I can't recommend it enough to people in this business um, by uh, Jocko Wilnick, where it's called Extreme Ownership. And one of the things that he talks about again and again is, is fire and cover. Um, you know, it's, it's a military tactic where someone is, someone's covering you while you're firing at enemies and moving. So, uh, and the same is involved in our business. You're, you're going to have to make decisions while other people are sitting there and considering what's going on. You're going to have to cover your, your, your people while other people are actually actioning. So action, you still got to be making action. You've always got to be moving. You've always got to be making move on the target and gaining ground. And I've seen companies, I've worked for companies, worked for companies recently that just didn't make decisions. They rethought it. They looked at the data for too long and then opportunities passed them by. Don't be that guy, Doug. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're on the same page. So moving forward, to use that, your, uh, your first or your next up, my friend, your first topic. Yeah. It kind of fits with this, right? So um, there's a lot of. BCOs right now. And for those of you who don't know, we, we, we get way too comfortable using terms in this business. And a BCO is a beneficial cargo owner. And that is a company that's big enough to negotiate their own rates. So a BCO is um, a very large importer, exporter, who has the ability to negotiate their own rates with a carrier. And these very large BCOs are out there right now negotiating rates with the carriers. And they're finding their themselves able to negotiate extremely beneficial rates. So $1,000 40-foot ocean rates out of Chinese base ports into the West Coast are common, which leads me to believe that less than $1,000 rates are attainable. 
Uh, this is all going to depend on the type of, of agreement that you're able to get to, terms that are in that agreement. So that doesn't mean that they're there for everyone, but they're there. Um, and this also gets to what you and I had been, I suppose, um, predicting, which is that the the unwritten alliances that were going on between carriers were going to fall apart. And I'm not ready to call it a, a, a war. I'm not ready to call it a, uh, a rate war. I don't think that they're out there trying to stab each other in the back. What I think that, that is going on is that they're all aggressively trying to sell their space, that they're all out of the marketplace doing everything they can to ensure some degree of um, competitiveness, but I don't think that they're out there trying to sink one another, not yet. Um, I don't think things are quite that dire, but we're back, um, back out there where if you've got significant volume and you're able to negotiate on your own terms as a BCO, you're gonna find yourself getting some ridiculous rates. So for people that are out in the spot market, you're gonna find those kinds of rates as, as well with NVOs and freight forwarders. This is a great year to not be under contract with a carrier. This is a great year to not be out under contract with an NVO. Like you said, man, speculation and change, um, this is gonna be a fun year to be out there and have cargo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the one, one comment on that, Pete, is be careful of the undercoating. That, um, <laughs> May, may not be so um, my my point being and we've talked about you know the different connectors so a thousand bucks just for that reference point to get to get to the port is all fine and dandy but they're peeling back the uh the intricacies of that right when you get to the port let's just use la um congestion labor fuel uh regulations the whole nine yards which just means check 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 for additional fees and charges and and, and deferment so um if you're out there negotiating pat yourself on the back but make sure you don't forget about the undercoating because that could uh, crush yourself when you're sitting in a boardroom talking to your boss about how kick-ass your yeah. negotiating skills are <laughs> yeah well, that's why i said like depending on terms like does it say anything about free days it doesn't talk about demerge and detention you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't say anything, you know, about all, all those, it doesn't, it doesn't guarantee you anything about uh, whether you make it on the ship, you might have the best rates ever. You might not sail, man. So yeah. uh, just be sure you know what you're negotiating and get involved in these terms. And I, I think this is also going to be an opening for some of the smaller freight forwarders that are out there as well. They do have good relationships with the carrier or two that can get your stuff on a, on a ship, actually make some hay this year. So this is going to be a, this is going to be a fun couple of years, I think, for people that have done a yeah. good job of developing relationships to show some of their other services in Dray and free forwarding and distribution, um, as well as their technology to let that shine for their for their customers. It's going to be a yeah. it's going to be a good year to get yourself back out there on the street. I think some salespeople are going to have a good time reestablishing their brands. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, man, halftime. Um, obviously uh, brought to us by Cap Logistics and, and Keenan pushing the buttons in the cave up in Breckenridge, Colorado. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you and I wouldn't be here without those guys. So, uh, Cap Logistics. yeah. All right, man. I like your, uh, your halftime. Why don't you go first on this one? So Doug, I get caught up in a lot of, um, Netflix binges. And unfortunately I came back from Mardi Gras and, and that's been over three. I mean, we're, this has been four weeks now. I came back from Mardi Gras with some kind of crud 
I don't know if it was on some of the beads I got that were imported from God knows where, but I, I've been sick for quite a while. I'm, I'm just starting to feel better. I got some antibiotics and um, I'm shaking it. But I ended up binging a lot of TV while I was laying around all sick. And I watched a show people have been talking about, and it's called Outlast. So, Doug, I know you watch some of the survival shows like I do. Have you seen The Outlast yet? Nope, I have not. Okay. I briefly heard about it. Yeah, I think it's relatively new, but I binged it all over, over last weekend. And Outlast is a team survival game where the idea is that you were dropped off in the middle of Alaska. They gave you some basic survival tools. And then as a team, you had to outlast the other teams. And it was for a million dollars. So whomever was left in your team when the last team outlasted the others won a million bucks. If there were four of you, you split the million. If there were two of you, you split the million. Um, but there were precious few rules. And in something that made social media and regular media, as it were, people got pretty nasty. So they one team stole another team's sleeping bags in, the, in, a, in a dastardly move. Oh, dastardly move. They stole the other team's sleeping bags. Um, people stole each other's food. Um, they sabotaged one another's um, rafts, you know? And they're like, because there's no rules and outlast. And I'm watching this, I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous, okay? So we're supposed to believe that this is as real as it gets, you know? And, and I'm watching this, I'm like, no, this is a fatal flaw. Because if this was real, and this was my friends, we would just kill all of you. Like, if this was, if this was my friends and I, like, if we were in our mid-20s, we would just go to your camp, like, in broad daylight. I would even wait till the middle of the night, and we would just choke you all out, kill you all, take all your crap. We would go to the next camp and kill you all and take all your crap. And then the game would be over by four. Like this, 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 this wouldn't even be good television. Like if there, we would just roll up on you and say, you're quitting now, or my friends and I are going to kill all of you. Like we are thugs. This isn't going to end well. Like we would be drowning people. I'd be waterboarding folks. It would be great television for one episode. But like this, this is not, this is not how this would go. Like if, if we're going to go that way, like if you can steal people's crap and be psychologically cruel to them, I'd give you one great episode. Yeah. That's about yeah. it. It would, it would turn into like the Sopranos meet a bunch of hikers. And that's, that's how this would go. I'd be breaking kneecaps and, and waterboarding yeah. people. There'd be folks hung up by their ankles from a tree. Like it would not, it would be, it'd be, more like a like a horror movie than it would be a Netflix survival show. Maybe I'm writing a horror movie right now, Doug. But like you see where I'm going with this. Not as scary as they made it out to seem. Yeah. Well. Beautiful. It's a yeah. It's a Monday, Pete. If you're that fired up about this on a Monday, I do not. I do not want to see you Alex, later this week. He's sitting here all worried. He's, she's going to take us off. I'm like, pick up a rock and knock her out. Like, what is he so worried about? I'm like. She was a buck five. He should be knocking her out. What's he so worried about? If he can't take her back and take her out with a rear naked choke, what kind of a man is this guy? Like I was all kinds of angry about this. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Huh. Hmm. Well, hey, uh, before I jump into mine, I'll, I will say that if you're looking for a new show to uh, watch with your significant other, I uh, found a, a show called Shrinking. Oh, it's uh, fabulous. 
Love it. Love it. Love it. It's fabulous. That and the other one on Apple TV is The Reluctant Traveler with Eugene Levy. I love it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. My wife is uh, loves that one. So anyway, there you go. Free uh, free feedback on, on, uh, on, on streaming. So, Pete, this is one that's a little bit delayed from an, an event that happened uh, first part of this month called Operation Stimulus. You actually spoke at the event. You know, COVID jacks up time and, 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 and warps everything. But I think you spoke maybe seven years ago or something. But it's um, uh, COVID killed it for a couple of years. We bring in kids from all over the country getting degrees in supply chain logistics. They get a, they get a fictitious problem, a case. They come to, to Denver. Um, they talk about their solution. They get their, they're judged. Um, they, we combined it with a professional conference and some breakout speakers. The Denver Transportation Club had hosted it for, for decades. And this year, uh, Colorado State University has taken it over. And I think that's where it's going to land for the future. So one, I'm glad it's back on the radar. Um, I would encourage everybody to go to Colorado State Business school uh website to check out the details of it had a phenomenal um a keynote speaker jimmy eberhart who started this company you may have heard of called fluid trucking uh great guy i was really glad uh, to be able to interview him so here's the gist of it indiana university won the competition uh first time they'd been there in, in a while um we had phenomenal attendance it was great and here's the cool thing pete and i Hopefully this gentleman, I can't remember his name. I apologize. He was a student from Texas Tech. And I was just, you know, shooting the shit with him over lunch. And he's like, hey, I really like your show. And I'm like, what? Like, how did you even find it? You know, you're you're a 20 a, a something kid going through supply chain at Texas Tech. He's like, oh, yeah, I love it. You and Pete. Da, 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 da. So um, it, it made me feel good that there's actually some kids or maybe I shouldn't feel good that they're listening to us on how our industry is. <laughs> it, it, this is the street smarts of the book smarts with our industry. But uh, my whole point is I'm glad Operation Seamless is back. I'm glad that we have people listening to us um, and want to shout out to the Texas Tech crew and say thanks for uh, thanks for uh, listening and uh, getting your um, perspective of our industry from Pete and myself. Well, three, three, three shout outs to that, first of all. I was born in Lubbock, Texas, where Texas Tech is. So it is it is my hometown. Um, second of all, my mom is an alumni of Texas Tech. She is a Red Raider. Uh, and third of all, um, speaking that was magnificent, man. I, I really loved taking part in Operation Simulator. It, it was one heck of a program. So um, if anybody who watches the professionals that, that watch this that are in the Colorado area, and I know we have a lot of them, if you're ever asked to take part in it, I, I cannot recommend it enough. Yeah, yeah. It would be uh, first week of March, 2024. So yeah. anyway, all right, that's all I had to say. I should have made mention of that about three weeks ago, but uh, thank you. Better late than never, buddy. All right, what you got for your next one, pal? All right, well, you know, air, ocean, ground, air, Air, ocean, ground. Oh, and rail. We haven't talked about rail in a while. We always talk about rail. So, um, yeah, there was some stuff that came out uh, recently about the Canadian Pacific and the Kansas City Southern merger. And the official date that it's uh, going to be inked is April 14th. So I was starting to think about it. And I was like, when, would, when did this all start happening be between the battle between the CN and the CP and who's going to take over Kansas City Southern. And that was all the way back in like third quarter 
second and third quarter of 2021. So it's uh, it's been a long time coming, a lot of regulations, a lot of, uh, you know, groups it has to go through. But um, so here's, uh, I'm not going to do a, a total recap of it, but CP bought Kansas City Southern for $31 billion with a B. Even with that acquisition, acquisition, they're still the smallest of the class one railroads, if you can believe that. Um, but here, here's the deal. I love it. And I think that's got tremendous uh, potential because it's the first uh, rail line to connect North America, Mexico, United States, Canada. Um, it goes right up through the spine of uh, uh, the United States. And that hasn't been done before. And I think there's lots of opportunity to really um, take the rail industry to the next level. So I think that's pretty cool. And it truly is a big deal. All of the major leadership is coming from CP. So it'll be based in uh, Calgary with the U.S. headquarters in, um, uh, in the Kansas City area. And I was looking at the map, Pete. The last thing I'll say about this one, I was trying to get a map up here that um, what cities in the U.S. are going to benefit. And looking at the map, I think that uh, as crazy as it sounds, Davenport, Iowa, and looking at the map, and I've not gone, you know, extensive, but it looks like Davenport, Chicago, maybe a little bit of uh, Milwaukee, but primarily Davenport, from what I've seen, is the connector area <clears throat> to get things, leap, you know, um, slingshotted up into Canada. So um, I think I'm going to write into the city council of Davenport and say here your, your new slogan um, to help with the growth of, uh, of the connectors up there is get your ass to Davenport. So if you see that in some marketing promotions, Pete, um, that's where it come from. I will take credit for that. But if you're in the rail industry, you support the rail industry, or you're just looking to move to Davenport, Iowa, and then get your ass there because that's uh, that's where it's going to happen here as this uh, as this merger completes. I'm quite certain that that will never um, be part of the marketing from the fine <laughs> fine people of Davenport, um, home to many of the that's great. Many of the great fighters of the UFC, by the way, um, I, I doubt I doubt that will ever be. Did you say thirty-one billion? Yes, sir. Yep. Wow. The um, yep. the bank that used to be Credit Suisse was worth just eight billion last Friday. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That is a massive, massive deal. It's incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that there hadn't really been one unified North American, Canadian, Mexican, like one railway that unified all of this continent is pretty incredible up until now. Excellent. It'll be interesting to see. Railroads don't move quickly, yeah. but hopefully we'll, we'll see some uh, creativity, ingenuity to really, um, you know, with the near showing and all the things that we've talked about and, and how things are evolving with procurement and in sourcing, it'll be interesting to see if they can leverage that quickly and uh, and make an impact for everybody so but that, that just puts it into scope right just how large these companies are when you consider that one of the world's largest most well it used to be one of the large most prestigious banks in the world just is dwarfed by the size of a railroad which yeah. isn't even the world's biggest that's incredible yeah yeah. All right. We always like to end with your final take, Pete. So uh, yeah. I'm throwing yeah. the gun at your direction. So uh, a report came out recently um, by the Center for Strategic and International Studies on that was asking a question that's been in a lot of people's minds 
well, I shouldn't say a lot of people, on a lot of nerds' minds, why hasn't the free trade agreement between the United Kingdom and the United States been ratified? Because it, it's kind of a slam dunk. It's sort of a no-brainer. And um, why is it a no-brainer? It's a no-brainer for a lot of reasons, one of them being that the United Kingdom, now that it's outside of the veins of Europe proper, could really use the stimulus. The United States could really use the, 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 the market for their goods and vice versa. And there's a lot of, of synergy between these two marketplaces. And also um, for, the, for, for the, the great things that could happen regarding technology and e-commerce. And it turns out that there's a lot of reasons that you would not think, one of the biggest being Ireland. And uh, you know, today is the 20th. We just had a, a whole, I'm outside of Boston, and boy, boy, was it just St. Pat's up here. Um, so, you know, St. Patrick's Day pretty much extends through the entire weekend up here in New England. And um, Ireland being one of the main reasons that the entire agreement has not been ratified. So the reason for that, of course, being the Good Friday Accords. And when the European Union and the UK split, they had a real problem because Northern Ireland and Ireland are two different countries. And so how trade transits across those now, one being part of the European Union, one not. So how do you account for the United Kingdom having an FTA with the US and Northern Ireland not? And this, this becomes a real issue with regards for trade. So that is actually something that is holding it up because of the United States' desire to try to find a way to unify Ireland. Yeah, I mean, this is, it's something that you, comes out of a Tom Clancy novel. And there's a small cadre of congressmen that are trying to find a way to uh, hold that up. Also holding it up, banking regulations between the U.S. and the United Kingdom, agriculture requirements, as you're well aware, uh, Great Britain and the United Kingdom have much stricter um, agriculture requirements with regards to um, biological um, biological requirements for the way that we handle organic and inorganic foods. But one of the biggest is immigration. Under the current writing of the U.S.-United Kingdom free trade agreement, Americans and Brits would be allowed to work in both countries without visas. And that's, that's a pretty big deal. So we'll see where this goes, but the time is ripe. And it will be a pretty big win for the Biden administration to get passed. But unfortunately, Congress is in its way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't understand why this hasn't been done. And here's <clears throat> here's my take on it. Just this simple kid from Kansas perspective on it. Right. It, the UK separated. Right. England separated. And I know there's different geographies and I'm probably making certain people mad at my, my references. But. If the U.S. tries to negotiate as a collective, right, and not take it for face value, which is the whole reason that they separated from the, the EU, it's just going to get muddied and, and unnecessary noise, right? So my, my take is if, you, if those congressmen um, try to force it together to bring it all together and negotiate as three, not one, it's just going to get convoluted. And oh, by the way, the, the more we align um, with the UK, the better we're going to be positioned to deal with some of the uh, the issues out there with China, 
and everything else, um, you know, are adversaries, if you will. So I, I don't understand the point of that. I think it's, I think it's going to muddy the waters. There was separation for a reason. Negotiate the individual countries as a separation. That's my take. Quit jacking around and let's get something done. That's my take from the kid from Wichita, Kansas out there looking at it uh, through my lens. Yeah, I'm never taking you ever to an Irish bar in Boston, Doug. They, they might actually. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Why would I? Are you yeah. kidding me? I'd get stomped if I went into that place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, long, long, the long story short, both both countries really, really, the United States and the United Kingdom really want this to pass. Uh, but this is the problem with foreign trade agreements and the president not having what we call fast track authority because he's not able to just get an up or down vote. Congress is able to play around with the details of the agreement. And as such, we can have some 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 futzing around by both sides. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, this will get passed. Ultimately, they'll figure it out just like they figured out Brexit. And, and we'll work it out, Doug. We'll work it out. Yeah. We'll work it out. That's all right. Well, um, I think that's it. I think we just ran our course on another edition of Global Trade this week. Uh, of course, Cap Logistics, want to thank you for, for the platform. Uh, Pete, want to thank you for your insight. Um, I love it. Um, the man in black out there in, uh, in New Hampshire. Sorry, I called it blue. But the most important thing, Pete, you got to remember for this episode is get your ass to Davenport. Davenport, Iowa, man. Truly an uh, underrated town. I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening and joining us this week. And Pete, we'll catch you uh, in seven days, my friend. See you next week, everybody. Thanks, Doug. All right. Thanks. Take care.